0: As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514 488 3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot.
1: Hello and welcome to the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. I am your host, CEO Chuck Sexton, and I'm joined today by one of our great partners and someone who is a uh, a, a sponsor of the podcast. You probably, you might have just heard a commercial about him. It's Bruce Tockefman with Research FDI. Thanks for being with me, Bruce. Chuck, good to be back on the program. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, um, I've gotten out of the habit, I started this habit where I would always have a I'd pick a bourbon based on the guest and uh, you know, things have been really busy lately. So I just slipped my mind every time I jump on the podcast, but this week uh, I remembered and I picked out a very special bourbon in your honor. I can't wait to hear about it. Well, I I would imagine you might not have ever heard of it. Um, (laughs) It's one that not a lot of people know about, but I've been told is great. This is actually my first time ever trying it. It's called old charter Oak. It's aged at Buffalo trace distillery but it is also aged in a French oak barrel. Why ah, do you think? Okay. That? Ah, uh, it's a
2: little je ne sais quoi. Uh, peut-être pas que je suis Quebecois.
1: <laughs> I have no idea what you just said, but I heard correct in there. <laughs> 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 For those of you who are uninitiated, Bruce and Research FDI are based out of Montreal and uh, they're great folks to work with. I've worked with them several times in my career um in multiple locations actually and uh i really appreciate the work that you all do so i wanted bruce to come on i think it's good for us to have research fdi's folks on from time to time just to give us an update on where you know you see the economy where you see the market specifically when it comes to recruitment projects so if you don't mind let's make sure that for people that don't know who you are let's tell them who you are and what research fdi does
2: Absolutely. So once again, my name is Bruce Tackleton, president of Research FDI. So what we do is we help companies, uh, economic development organizations and utilities with recruitment, helping identify companies that are expanding, relocating uh, and, and helping them find new homes. And, and it, 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 like Chuck mentioned, you know, we've worked together in rural communities and larger communities, really uh, honing in on what exactly uh, economic development organizations are looking for and helping them find good fits for attraction.
1: And you do a great job at it. And I'm going to tell you something. I just took my first sip of this um, French oak aged Charter Oak bourbon. And it's phenomenal. I'm jealous. Send some of that up here. Well, you know what's funny? I had actually never seen a bottle until three weeks ago. And then um, I was with some of my buddies that I, I go to the gym with. And one of these guys is a big bourbon connoisseur. And he was talking about it. And he said, you know, if you can find that bottle for, you know, three fifty, that's a good buy. And I thought, hmm, I just saw a bottle. I'm going to go see how much that is. I'm not going to say how much I paid for it because it was a lot less than that. So, you know, if I ever get that deal again and want to sell a bottle, <laughs> I don't want to know what, anybody know what profit I'm making on it. <laughs> Chuck, I, I have a confession for you, actually. This
2: is, is going to embarrass me and probably research up the app, but I'll say it anyway. I only got into bourbon about a month ago. Now I love it. I drink it all the time. But it's only been 30 days that I've been into it. I wasted dozens of trips visiting you in Kentucky and not touching it. Now yeah. I love it. So, so I just got into it 30 days ago. My, my neighbor is a connoisseur as well, and he got me into it. In Montreal, of all places, I got into it. I've been to Kentucky so
1: many times. I could have been drinking bourbon with you this whole time. I don't understand why you never tried it before. Jeez. <laughs> I know. I know. Tell me, Bruce. Well, well look. We you can- know
2: we just have to speak honestly with one another. And that's how this podcast has to be
1: <laughs> Well, you know, you tried to get me to try something when I was in Montreal, and I did not enjoy it, and it was called an Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> <It> we, was... <laughs> don't, we don't have to get into that on this podcast, but it was a nightmare of a story. Um,
2: well, well, that's the last, the last time we, had, we have Adam uh, work on the laundry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you just went to IEDC. I yes. want to hear, you know, how was IEDC? How was the attendance this year? What was, uh, what were people talking about?
2: You know, it, it was tremendous. Um, Oklahoma City was a great host. Um, the, the hotel was awesome. The conference center was right attached to the hotel. All new amenities. Uh, Research FDI, of course, had its annual party, which was fantastic. Uh, and in terms of, the, of I guess, uh, the sessions, you know, I, I hosted a session, with my colleague scott bryan uh, janine Yurkovich from the city of surprise and jared smith is uh, the director of the city of henderson we talked about mastering the pillars of investment traction we got a pretty good attendance we got kind of a tough slot sunday at four o'clock a lot of people were probably ch- checking out this oklahoma city or watching the nfl but uh, we still managed to get 60 people at the at the session so managed that, that was good and a lot of uh, topics including uh, dei and uh, you know other other topics as well, including housing, workforce. So I thought it was a great conference.
1: Awesome. I uh, I'm sad I didn't get to go. Obviously, and I think I've said this before, but you know, we for as far as our our schedules go, and as busy as we are right now, uh, you know, unless we're uh, asked to speak at a conference, it's really difficult to to pull away and schedule. You know, throw something in just just to go. Um, I'm actually going to be going to the um, ACT workforce conference down and work ready conference down in new orleans on sunday speaking on monday there so anybody who's listening to this uh this week if you're going to be down at the act conference you want to link up while we're there Uh, i'll be there chad will be there and ivy stanley our coo uh, will be there as well so we'd love to see you all if you're down there just shoot me a shoot me an email chuck at nextmovegroup.com. we'll get together so as far as the state of projects project activity. It's something we talk about a lot. Economic developers, obviously concerned with it all the time. I'm curious from your end, since you're helping economic developers, power companies and, and states, others uh, to secure meetings. Uh, is there any particular industry you're seeing a lot of traction in or maybe multiple industries you're seeing traction in right now? Yeah. I don't, I don't know about you on the site selection side, but we're seeing a
2: lot of projects involving electric vehicles, battery manufacturing, uh, fintech, medical device, pharmaceuticals, uh, food production—those are the main industries we're seeing a lot of traction from. Especially around batteries, we're seeing maybe four or five of those a day. What What are you seeing on your
1: side? Well, it's very similar. EV uh, is a big one, um, and you've got raw materials. So there's a there's a, a component to this that I think a lot of people are are not thinking about. And you have all these announcements occurring with a lot of construction forthcoming. And you got to have raw materials. you got to have steel. Um, and then with the batteries, you've got to have, um, you know, you've got to have rare earth metals. And so I actually heard about a uh, rare earth metal project just uh, two days ago uh, that's going on. It's not one that we have right now. Uh, but ours our site selections all been raw materials, um, EV related, and uh, another one that is based in the construction industry. Uh, this is actually an RFI that has not gone out yet. It will be going out in the next week or so. We'll have another RFI out for a, a nice project on the, um, how do I say this? The construction, uh, commercial construction supply side, which obviously is needed. So uh, with, with all those different ones that we're working on right now, um, similar, I've, I've not seen a lot in the pharmaceutical side, but it doesn't surprise me that you all are seeing those grow. Uh, I think that's probably a, a sector that's going to continue as we go forward.
2: What area? I think one, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry to, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Chuck. I, I think one area where we're, you know, we're having some challenges is uh, grade A office space. I think that, that area has been tough. A lot, a lot of people you know, who may have built office space, office, office parks, that's been a little challenging, uh, especially for larger projects, maybe 25,000 uh, square feet and above. Those have been very difficult to fill. Uh, so we, we're seeing less projects of, of that nature.
1: Yeah. Well, what um what areas are you seeing mo- the most traction in from a, a regional standpoint? Are there certain states or region of the U.S. or Canada that you're seeing a lot of companies making some decisions from right now? Uh, we're just seeing a, we're seeing well, we're seeing a lot of projects go into the Carolinas,
2: uh, Texas. it has been really hot right now. Um, we're you know we're seeing a lot of activity. You know with you know California companies. You know for three years they were saying they're they're going to move. But they're they're tired of of all of the legislation that's kind of working against them. And for years, they were just talking. We kind of lead generators and site selectors almost were like their therapists in a lot of ways. But now we're actually seeing them do what they say. We're seeing the relocations, you know, the neighboring states like Nevada, Arizona, and Texas. So a lot of activity out of California, Illinois, New York, no surprise there. Uh, But we're seeing a a lot of those California companies put their money where their mouth is.
1: Well, I uh, I, I, it's it's interesting because I actually just did a a wrap-up today with one of our projects i say it's a wrap-up it's really a wrap-up of the first phase had to deliver some um some buildings actually from north carolina to that one that was north carolina virginia tennessee involved in that one uh the one that we're about to kick off is going to be looking in south carolina north carolina georgia uh and then it's going to skip over a a little bit and and hit tennessee and kentucky as well we've got some that's going to be kicking off looking at texas and oklahoma uh, as well, and maybe Louisiana too. So, um, you know, the Southeast and Midwest, I think are going to continue to get the majority of new project activity. It's just and from the standpoint of cost, uh, from transportation, where the populace is moving, and of course, being clustered around the industries that they serve, uh, that that region of the US is just going to continue to get those projects. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
0: i want to thank locationone.com some of you know it as lois for sponsoring today's podcast in my opinion lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market one of the reasons i think that is it gives you nationwide exposure so i used to be the economic developer in paducah kentucky and i made a terrible mistake i only put my buildings and sites on the kentucky economic development buildings and sites database well paducah bordered illinois and was within 30 or so miles of missouri indiana and tennessee so what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database well lois does that for you looking back i should have put my bills and sites on lois it's also easy to use for an economic developer it's just like using facebook it walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth and the thing i like most it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I wanna be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me, other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location 1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success.
2: It's really a cra- crazy time. You know, technically we're kind of probably in a recession, but we're seeing so much industrial activity. It's it's very busy. Um like, like I mentioned before, there's it almost feels like a recession kind of in the grade A office space. It's such a weird time and, and, and you're seeing inflationary pressures as well. Um you know, hardly hard to get secure labor in a workforce, obviously a major trend. It's just so, such a weird time in what we do, but it's also such an exciting time as well.
1: Well, and it's funny you mentioned the, the workforce side of it. That's why we're going down to ACT. Um they asked us to come and speak on you know, why work ready is important, what kind of helps differentiate communities against each other when they're competing for site selection projects. But really the talk is about how labor is the incentive now and the really the top incentive, because if you look at last year's uh, corporate exec survey uh, from Area Development Magazine, uh, uh, labor cost is number one and availability of skilled labor is number two on the decision tree. I think that's going to flip in the next survey. I might be wrong. Uh, And I said this on our movement show this week too that Chad and I and Ivy did. Um, But I I think that's going to flip. And and the reason that I do is because labor costs, it'll still be a concern, but it'll be less of a concern than finding people. I mean, we've got uh, a couple of raw materials companies right now talking to us. Uh, We haven't signed them on yet, but they're talking to us about doing site selection. And the reason that they are has to do with the fact that they don't have labor where they're at. So they're going to have to move. So, and that's a, that's a first, but I don't think it's a last for that reason. Um, Every client that we have right now on that side, labor is a huge, huge uh, critical piece of the site selection process. But now what we're starting to see is companies who can't be where they are. These are all, you know, usually it's a new additional facility. Now we have facilities looking to move to find labor. So. Yeah, and you, and you
2: really and you really see and you really see the states that really put an emphasis over the last decade on workforce training and these programs really being at an advantage. You know, if you you could lose you South Carolina as an example, they have their Ready SC workforce program that that was put in place in 2010. I mean, obviously they could never imagine the situation we are in 2022, but now that's a huge advantage where companies could customize have have the state pretty much train your workforce for you and have them get ready. Uh, it's a huge advantage. I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure a lot of states are going to be are, are probably trying to catch up. But that's a huge advantage for that particular state. And I know there's other programs similar in the U.S. as well.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You, I'm glad you mentioned that, too. Ready, SC, I'm looking forward to, you know, to getting a little more knowledge on just so that, you know, and so the folks in South Carolina know. Uh, I need to know more about that program. I'm looking forward to finding out more through the site selection process on this on this particular project. Um, obviously very familiar with Alabama's AIDT, uh, Louisiana's programs, Georgia's programs, um, you know, and even obviously Kentucky and Tennessee, which they aren't quite packaged the same as South Carolina, Georgia, Louisiana, Alabama's. But um, having those programs is really, really, really key. It was a, a huge point of discussion today. We we actually <laughs> we did the kickoff with this uh, current site selection project today. And, um, and part of the musts and wants uh, discussion, they really wanted to hone in and focus on uh, startup training and um, on uh, training incentives and how those are going to relate to them as a company, uh, because they are so concerned about the workforce side. I think, yeah, go ahead, sir. Oh, no, it's okay. I think the states who Have those programs in place, like the ones we've mentioned. They're ahead of the game with what the big, you know, number one thing on on private sector CEOs' minds is. But the states who are also doing a good job with site readiness, and let's say you're, you're a state that's doing a good job with site readiness, but maybe you have all the pieces of a good training story, but you haven't, you know, pulled those together under one umbrella that, you know, sells how that state can help a company as they come in. I think those who will take the time to pull that together uh, and get those sites ready are going to continue to shine going forward with new projects.
2: No, absolutely, and you see those states that have done that are at a huge advantage, and and some are catching up, and and it's just it's such an interesting time for industrial activity, and, I, and we'll we'll see what happens over the next couple of years. But I suspect we'll we'll stay busy and what we're what we're up to.
1: I mean, is that what all your prognosticators are saying too? That you know, project activity is going to dip for a second here in the recession, then pick up again next year.
2: I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you, look, common sense says that that yeah, we will see a dip in activity, and, and there might be some panic at the beginning. But we, I, I still think industrial um, it will be strong. You're still seeing you know, workforce employment market is strong. But there's other factors, you know, like, again, we mentioned inflation, we're in a period of, of the great resignation where you know, people are switching jobs, like they're changing their underwear, right? So <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a random time, it's a weird time in the economy, but there's so many almost offsetting factors. So yeah, we're probably at the beginning of a recession. And there's so, so much instability now with the war in Europe, and that, and that caused obviously, Europe to Europe investment to go down. And Obviously, uh, the great migration of workers in Eastern Europe, so there's so many different factors that's affecting the FBI around the world right now. But uh, again, stay tuned. is going to be going to be a bumpy ride over the next six, 12 months. But I think it'll self rectify over time.
1: Well, risk drives um, new investment, and or at least um, trying to spread your chips. We'll put it that way. So I actually look for some companies in Europe, especially Germany, uh, where you know there's some volatility in, in utilities over there and the ability to ship goods and get uh, goods to their clients, uh, especially those in the U.S. I mean, what people don't realize, because the, the no- misnomer was that manufacturing was dead in the United States for a long time, but we're one of the largest economies as far as consumption is concerned. And as you look at pandemics, uh, you look at things, even, even thinking back all the way to um, the nuclear disaster in Japan that occurred. I mean, you saw supply chains trying to shore up after that. Uh, that happened but after the pandemic and you had borders shut down and now you have wars uh that are causing major problems especially in european countries i think and i could be wrong but i think it's going to continue to drive uh more production into the united states we just you know we as a country have to be prepared for it
2: and one other thing we have to mention also is kind of the uh, disruption to supply chain like 94 we, we... You know, uh, there was recently a survey out by OECD, uh, 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 basically surveying Fortune 1000 companies. 94% of those CEOs are seeing supply chain disruptions from COVID and inflation and all all these other factors. And Hmm. 55% of those Fortune 1000 companies also plan to downgrade their growth growth outlooks as well. So those are all factors we have to consider as well, supply chain issues.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Some of the stuff we're going to talk about at the um, Work Ready Conference this week. It was eye opening to me as far as um, some of these surveys of CEOs and what's going on right now. Um, there, I can't remember exactly what it was. It's something like eighty nine percent of CEOs um, have ranked um, workforce and app- or apprenticeships uh, as uh, one of the things that they think can alleviate the skills gap and alleviate the workforce issues that are occurring in the country. But then you have um like 90% of them and i have to try to find that one real quick but 90% of them are are scared they're going to lose their jobs
2: oh, no no 75%
1: I... there it is 3 and 4 ceos fear losing their jobs uh according to a, a survey that was uh just a couple of months ago and the key things that are causing them to feel that way is supply chain workforce mm-hmm. crisis and digital transformation just the adoption of digital tools, how critical that is for business uh, across all sectors, uh, especially from an automation standpoint. And I think we're gonna continue to see that too. I mean, I don't know if you're seeing that with the companies you all are dealing with on the recruitment side of things and, and working with people, but...
2: Yeah, and one thing we also have to consider for FDI is also the the effect of reshoring. So we, we, we expect the US to benefit greatly from that, but we also believe Mexico has benefited and will benefit from reshoring as well. And just another crazy statistic about what's happening, that a country like Turkey, who's kind of trying to be neutral on where they stand between the U.S. and Russia, uh, and that, this, that country alone has experienced tremendous inflation up to 70% because of these shocks. Mm-hmm. And their CEOs are looking at shutting down operations, they're looking to relocate to a different region. So not a lot of, of you know, economic development organizations in the U.S. or Canada target Turkey, but, you know, those those those, those companies have to go somewhere.
1: Yeah, and... Inflation has um, not been as difficult maybe the last couple of months. There's a lot of people saying, well, that's because we've got a midterm election coming up. But um, whether it has to do with this or not, I was talking to some some folks in the oil industry uh, this week, just a couple of days ago. And there's been a bit of a dip in uh, oil prices. But they started talking about, and I don't understand all of this, but they were talking about <laughs> the, the reserve and um, this other country that has uh, shortened their market. And the fact that then these guys are in the oil industry heavily, and they said I, they think late November, early December, there's going to be a massive spike in fuel prices again, which is going to continue to push companies to want to have, I think, real access as a part of their footprint. And we'll be right back. Hey, we're going to break for just a quick minute here to tell you about today's Executive Search Spotlight. The Orangeburg County Development Commission is searching for an economic development director. The chosen individual will aggressively work to promote economic development for industrial, commercial, and agriculture investments. The OCDC is a full-service professional economic development organization whose mission is to improve the quality of life for all citizens through the growth of jobs and capital investment. This community is considered one of the best places in South Carolina for industrial development, just so that you know. Um, We heard from several folks in South Carolina who said that to us. They have a tremendous existing industry cluster of automotive and other sectors. Orangeburg County is home to over 100 manufacturers and distributors, including several Fortune 500 companies. They're also a leader of foreign direct investment in South Carolina. They're home to 29 international companies from 17 different countries if you are looking for a new opportunity with an established economic development program then Orangeburg is definitely for you on top of all the industrial positives the community has extremely supportive leadership which we all know is critical to success Orangeburg is located in the heart of South Carolina in between Columbia and Charleston and it's a short drive to Augusta Georgia for all you golf fans out there so if you'd like to learn more about the opportunity go to www.thenextmovegroup.com backslash Orangeburg
2: Now, uh, I'm I'm not a uh, when well, I'm not a politics guy, but um, do you think um, if, if uh, I guess if the White House goes back to to uh, red leading, do you, do you anticipate the, the Keystone Pipeline uh, maybe helping some of that, those issues moving forward? I know the Biden administration squashed that, and the Canadian government was ready to extend it into the U.S. Do you think that, that would be a factor that would help the economy well, in the U.S. or we're
1: We're two years from finding out what's going to happen with the White House, but um, you know, if uh, you know, if either of the houses flip. Um, I don't think that that's going to get restarted anytime soon. I just don't, um, you know, it it was going, it only 8% of it was built. I think when they, when they shut it down anyway. And so, you know, the decision's got to be made. Is that something that's worth, uh, pulling? And of course I've seen some studies on, you know, that, uh, product that's coming through the Keystone pipeline and, and, you know, how much refining has to be done to it and whether it's worth it or not. I don't know. I don't keep up with that piece. Um, obviously, with all of the supply chain disruptions, uh, with what we've seen through you know, the issues in Europe and the disruptions we can have in you know natural resources, you know I think it's important uh, as is our country, your country, Canada, uh, to continue to make sure that we can be self-reliant. Uh, Because, you know, who knows what could happen uh, a month from now as far as, you know, our supply chain goes. And could we be facing an issue like Germany's facing right now uh, with their natural gas? But with oil. Yeah,
2: yeah, no doubt. And and one last thing to consider about this issue is also, um, I mean, earlier in the program, we mentioned that the industries that we're seeing a lot of activity in electric vehicle and batteries, they need certain raw materials, I believe lithium and other other raw materials that might run right out it's not it's, there's not an unlimited amount of these these resources that could be an issue as well as, as uh, north america moves towards electric vehicles i mean
1: those are those are in really short supply because uh, i remember seeing studies about how much coal we had left in the ground and this and that but there's far more of that than there is rare earth metals and and the, the items that are needed for these electric vehicles and of course we have to have a more robust infrastructure in the united states to really even be able to consider having everybody plug their cars up when they get home. So I still think there's going to be a a longer period of time before you have even 50% adoption. Of electric vehicles going forward uh, i just well, I well
2: in, in canada they're actually going to make it mandatory by 2035 for everyone to have uh, an electric vehicle they're not, they're not even going to sell you know, old-fashioned gasoline cars anymore so well that's easy you for of, you
1: you've got all that hydro power up there <laughs> 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 yeah, even, they, if, if you've never be been to canada them. they don't call it electric power they call it hydro they don't even canada say they power do. they just say <laughs> hydro our hydro bill was blank your water bill nope That was their power bill.
2: (laughs) Yeah, listen, uh, the Quebec economy is blessed with one thing, cheap power rates, cheap plug for the Quebec economy and and invest Quebec, cheap hydro rates. if, If you want to invest and get it. Well, it's it's cheap until you
0: throw that slap that global surcharge on there, whatever it's called. All, yes, uh, yes, the, we have an uh,
2: renewables renewable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we you know we may have high taxes, but at least we got cheap hydro rates, right? Right.
1: <laughs> well, you well, know, if if I didn't have all these extra surcharges, my my power rate would be two and a half cents a kilowatt hour. But as it stands, it's fourteen. So <laughs> that's it's funny because it's one thing that I hear a lot of private industry complain about the most is and it's not i don't want to call it complaining it's just like come on you know we'll do what we need to do but do we have to pay so much to do it (laughs) (sighs) Mm. where do you think in canada just speaking of um your proud uh, maple leaf country um yes (laughs) where, where do you think the most projects from an fdi standpoint coming into the u.s what territory do you think is sort of the ripest would you would you give advice to an economic developer to say hey if you're really going to go hunting in canada you need to go to x
2: well i think anytime you want to do fdi missions in canada you got to remember that 50 of the of the canadian economy runs through ontario and quebec so you got to immediately look at on ontario and quebec as the two top options and, and ontario being the number one the economic driver of canada but again it depends on your target sector if you're looking for you know, certain food production you might want to look in saskatchewan or alberta if you're looking for oil and gas def- alberta is definitely your place or you're looking for forestry you might want to look towards british columbia or quebec so you really gotta hone in on i guess which sectors you're looking at but i mean in terms of the largest pool of targets ontario and quebec would be the top two and it might even be a good idea to kind of combine ontario and quebec in one mission if you could given the geographic proximity
1: yeah that's good advice i appreciate you giving that i uh I'm wondering if I were in Montreal, where would I go get a good steak?
2: I think you, you, you and I are no strangers to having a good steak together in Montreal. But you and I have had, had a good one. We, did you enjoy the steak at Gibby's when we went? Uh, yeah, the I did. Montreal? No, I
1: did. Oh, it was great. <laughs> and what did you call it? Was it Old Town or or what? What was the, the the term for that area of Montreal?
2: Yeah, I think also if you're in Montreal, you definitely want to check out Old Montreal uh, to you know to kind of enjoy. It. You kind of feel like you're in Europe. If you, you can't afford to take a vacation in Europe, in Montreal. Montreal, well, Montreal could be a good alternative, So, or, or Quebec City, for that matter. That could be a fun place to visit if you have a limited budget and want to check out a place that kind of feels like Europe. Uh, so a good <laughs> place to visit is all is Montreal. At the <laughs> did yeah, you, did it you, have you just Montreal. say unlimited budget? <laughs> if, you don't have, if you don't have an unlimited budget, then maybe you're better off in uh, visiting Quebec City or Montreal. But if you have the budget to visit Europe, of course, uh, check out France.
1: I thought you. I thought you were saying if you have an unlimited budget, go to Quebec City. And I was going to ask you how expensive it was to go there.
2: That's no, 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 no. Well, well, it actually might be good for for Americans to visit Canada right now. The the U.S. dollar is so strong compared to the Canadian dollars. It might be a good time for for Americans to
1: visit. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Come up there, get some Molsons, bring it back across the border if you can sneak it. Um, I, I do yeah, hit in the duty free shop every time I go,
2: <laughs> and, and and of course there's always some good time for karaoke. You can always enjoy some karaoke uh, in
1: downtown Montreal. Well, right, and, Chuck. Have we ever sang karaoke together before? <laughs> no, you you and I don't dabble in such things. <laughs> I remember when we got up there and like your staff was like, "Do we really have to go sing karaoke with these people?" And you said, "Yes, we do."
2: <laughs> well, listen, we found the only karaoke bar in Montreal that was open on a Tuesday night. So good for good for us.
1: Well, I will, uh, as we wrap up here, I want to say one other tip about Montreal. Be careful uh, getting an Airbnb because there's certain areas of Montreal that you, they're not legal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you learn something new every day.
1: And the owner will still rent it to you. And then you'll come back and not be able to get in it because everything's been all the, the locks been broken off. And all the buttons, keypad buttons have been super glued.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, just just another story for the road, Chuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just so everyone knows. Um, I am listed in a police report in Montreal. That's that's enough said. But I, I am listed in a police report there. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. I just had to be a witness. <laughs> well, listen. This is a, this is the PG show. We better we better stop there. Yeah, that's right. What's the next conference you're going to be at?
2: All right. So we are next show. I'm going to be at. Uh, I'm going to be at Live Exchange in Orlando. So I've been invited to speak on FDI and emerging sectors. And after that, I'm going to be at the Economic Show in Columbus, Ohio.
1: What about you? Oh, when's the, uh, the show in Columbus?
2: Uh, I believe it's December 6th, the 8th. Don't hold me to those dates. But yeah, economics uh, should, be, should be fun. First time they've had it in kind of a, a cold, I guess a cold area. Usually they have them in Arizona or Florida. But uh, Columbus, I love Columbus. It should be fun. But it's going to be a little chilly for our friends uh, south of the border. But it's going to be fine for a Canadian.
1: Well, that's not too far from me. You never know. I might have to sneak up there with you and, and sing karaoke and have a bourbon. Well, sounds
2: like a plan, my friend.
1: All right, brother. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Bruce. And uh, we'll see everybody next week.
2: Thanks. Always a pleasure. Take care.